0: what to keep pounding um For the war the war the war the war the war the ones an inside look at the vault this
1: is this, this this is views from the
0: now here's your host Lonzo right cell and Rob Brown all right ladies and gentlemen another rousing rendition of the views from minstre podcast comes your way right this very second, happy Wednesday or whatever day it is when you downloaded and click play on this particular particular edition of the pod. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right here in the heart of Panthers country. And of course, alongside me uh, virtually, as always, on the other side of the metaphorical glass, my co-host, my partner in crime, the great one himself, Lonzo Reitzel is here as well and obviously today's pod going to be a little bit different than most of the other weeks that is because obviously we played last thursday which meant that friday became our game wrap-up which means that monday became our transactions and updates etc which means that today we're gonna have a little bit of fun on the show Getting into some subjective takes on everything silver and blue pigskin so far through the 2022 season, and so I wanted to start with this. Uh, Mike Garoppolo of the NFL Network sent out a couple of tweets earlier talking about interim head coach Steve Wilkes, and in that tweet, he pointed out that old Steve-O is getting some attention around the National Football League, predominantly that Steve is jumping up as one of the premier head coaching candidates for an NFL position next year. He cited the fact that the team as a whole seems to have a lot of uh, respect for Steve Wilkes. It seems that the team as a whole is very much in favor of his coaching style The team as a whole has a much better attitude about itself than it did under the final few weeks of Matt Rule. And that is unsurprising when you really think about it, because so far, Steve Wilkes has coached five football games. One of them was lost against the defending Super Bowl champions. And while the Rams aren't nearly as good as they were last year, they still have a lot of talent and a healthy Cooper Cup at the time. One of those losses was a loss likely only because DJ Moore took his helmet off and we blew a couple of field goals. If that game gets won, you have the loss to Cincinnati as the worst loss of the season without a doubt. But Cincinnati, the other team that played in a Super Bowl last year and not nearly the drop off of the Rams, Steve Wilkes, Lonzo, is a DJ Moore chin strap away from being three and two, he is two and three in his five. He is a chin strap away from being three and two, which is really damn impressive and well on his way to as many wins as Matt rule was able to accomplish in a couple of seasons uh, in individual seasons. Obviously Uh, listen, I'm not quite ready to say that next year, Steve Wilkes should definitely be under the headset as the permanent head coach. I am saying that if we don't make it that, according to multiple reports and my own very frequently correct opinion, some other NFL team is going to snatch that guy up because I, I think it's fair to say, especially to those of us that are close to the program, there is a definite attitude shift that came along with Steve putting on the headset and the rest of the NFL is starting to see it.
1: Yeah, see... This is hard for me to comment on because it seems like every other week we're questioning what he's doing, you know. And I guess you know it's it's us as as fans. Trust, and, the, and,
0: process, yes, Trust the process, Lonzo. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Um. So one week I'm mad at him. The next week I'm like, okay, all right. But but victories help, and the direction of the team. A lot of the things he's done has been directly the opposite. Of what Matt Rule was doing, the things that we thought were wrong with the team, he has tried to fix them. We we both are concerned about the quarterback position and how he's handled that. But we'll, we'll see what happens going forward with that. It would not shock me if he doesn't end up staying where he is and instead of going somewhere else, ends up being the coach uh, for however long term is in the NFL with the Panthers.
0: I think that uh, I think that the attitude shift, right? We we talked about them going with PJ Walker uh, after a game where he went three of ten with two picks for nine yards. Uh, I think we 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 all kind of assumed that that was a tank move, and I and I don't think that was an unfair assumption out of all of us that PJ Walker became the unofficial tank commander of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I, I, I think in retrospect, I now kind of look at it and go, maybe there was something under the surface to that and it wasn't tanking, right? Maybe while Baker was back in dressed, at the end of the day, we didn't have anybody else to dress out as the backup quarterback, right? And maybe that was a play in order to save up Baker and give him another week or two to get himself right. Now, as far as we all know, before the high ankle sprain story broke, P.J. Walker was still going to be the quarterback this Sunday when we take on the Baltimore Ravens. But maybe there was something more to that. I don't know. What I do know is that under Steve Wilkes, the intangibles, the attitude, the behavior, the mentality of this team has very clearly and evidently improved, right? I mean, you can go back just to last Thursday's game against the Falcons. And really think about that game. You're coming off of a loss against Cincinnati that we were thoroughly embarrassed by. You're coming off of a loss the week before that to Atlanta where your team did everything right to win, but then brain farted it away at the very end. It would have been completely understandable for that team to be in such a funk that they came out at the bank last Thursday and just absolutely bleeped themselves up and down the field. But that's not what happened. Instead, the Carolina Panthers came out, jumped out to a two-touchdown lead, played smart, conservative, but efficient football the rest of the ride, and went ahead and finished off their NFC South division rivals in Atlanta and were very celebratory in the process when it was all said and done. Uh, I I very much think you can look at this team now and say, although it may not have been evident two weeks ago, three weeks ago, heck, even before last Thursday, that there's a different mentality to this team, uh, a a, a much more confident and competent attitude than there has been uh, really since the beginning of the year. And if you are an NFL owner or general manager, that is in charge of a bad football team that's going to be looking for a new head coach next year or a good football team where a coach steps away for some some reason. I think the things that Wilkes is showing you under the headset right now, we talked about it this whole time. This was an on-the-field audition for Steve Wilkes. And we multiple times asked the question, what does Steve Wilkes need to do in order to either A, keep the job for the Panthers, or B, get a job somewhere else based on his performance. And my answer has always been, from the beginning, get the mentality of this team right. Get the culture of this team right. Lay the foundation to where when this offseason happens and when Scott Fitterer goes to the team and goes, yo, who y'all want, who you want to be the head coach next year, they look and they go, steve Steve got us right. Steve got our head right. We felt competitive. We were ready to go. And I think last Thursday, and again, it's, it, you know, it's the old expression. It's just one game. It's just one game. It's just, it's just one game, but it was a very different look and feel about this team in just one game. So I'm very interested to see what we look like out against Baltimore, a team that, let's be honest, has us outmatched on paper pretty much top to bottom, the Falcons don't, the Ravens do. Do we bring a headstrong, positive uh, attitude and approach to the game onto the field Sunday? And if we do and make that game competitive, I feel a little bit more confident that the interim tag gets knocked off next year.
1: Well, another thing about interim, interim usually it just means temporary. That's what it means. So a guy comes in, he's just filling space till the end of the season. That's not what Wilkes is doing. One thing he is doing is he's building a resume of how to deal with situations. First of all, you deal with the 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 drama of suddenly, hey, you're the head coach when you weren't like the week before. You're dealing with the drama of a player in Robbie Anderson who just goes all stupid and then goes sits by himself for a while. You deal with not necessarily drama, but I'm sure disappointment to a degree of trading away, arguably the best player on your team in Christian McCaffrey and how you handle that. And now we're seeing how he handles getting throttled by Cincinnati and coming back the next week and winning. So, I mean, there are a lot of, It's all situational things that you can't necessarily uh, go, all right, I wonder how this guy could handle this. Let's make this happen. Most of these things happen naturally, and we're seeing how uh, he handled them. And how he handles them is how the team is going to handle them. And I think he's uh, accounted for himself really well so far.
0: Uh, I, I, I agree with that in its entirety. Uh, I, I think that, like I said, culture shift was objective number A for Steve Wilkes. I mean, listen, it it, it would have been very, very understandable after the departure of Matt Rule, uh, especially when it was, let's be honest, very, very sudden, right? Like we, at least I, I and I think a lot of other people, kind of expected there was a better-than-average chance that Matt Rule was going to be given until the end of this year to show something, and then just kind of like, out of left field. It was like, no, dude, you're gone. Like, you're up out of here. It's not working out, which was a bit of a surprise. And by the way, uh, I think while there is a lot of very fair criticism of David Tepper as an owner, the ability to now, with both of his teams, the Panthers and Charlotte FC, the The ability to and the willingness to cut bait with a coach who has created a situation around one of Tepper's teams that isn't working out, uh, I think you got to give him credit for that, right? Like, I in fact, I was thinking after the Washington Commanders knocked off the Philadelphia Eagles and ended their undefeated run on Monday night uh, and and watching Ron Rivera talk to his team afterwards – Uh, But watching that game, I kind of got uh, a little bit of the old school Rivera vibe, right? Like no big shots. Let's just chip away at the red zone. Let's try to slow this game down dramatically defensively. It was very end of the Ron Rivera in Carolina-esque feeling. But that became such a mentality in Carolina that you kind of felt like Rivera wasn't really utilizing the offensive talent that he had around him in Charlotte and it got to the point that Tep went, okay, this ain't working. We got to go. And it was kind of a shock. Uh, They fired, Tep fired the first manager of Charlotte FC, what, like two weeks into the very first season of the team because the culture in the locker room started off on a sour note. And now look at Charlotte FC. They were a playoff team. They were a good team uh towards the end of this MLS season. I think you got to give some respect to Tep. That he was ready to go, and it does tell me, or at least makes me willing to believe, that Tepper is a guy that is demanding a positive culture and a winning attitude, even if we give him crap for you know not doing that. Him cutting Matt Rule and giving Steve Wilkes the handles to do that. So far, Wilkes has done that. We'll see what it translates to to the product on the field. But what Steve Wilkes has done off the field so far, we've got multiple report or multiple reports, pardon me, that there are at least a couple of other NFL franchises that have got the microscope on Steve Wilkes and what he's doing in Charlotte, and have moved him way up the board of potential head coaching candidates. I, I, I'm not saying that you should want it because other people want it right somebody wants to somebody wants to take your toy away it doesn't make it more valuable to you I am saying there's a reason for that Zoe and I think we should be paying attention to it
1: well and the other thing about that is uh, I'm sure Tepper knows of the demand and does he make a decision before the end of the season and go ahead and say you know what I've seen enough I'm going to go ahead and uh take all that out of the equation. And I'm just going to go ahead and sign them before the season's over.
0: It's a, it's it's a great question, but the other aspect of it is, and I, I think it's fair. Like, obviously the question here would be, does Wilkes want that? Or does he want to look around a little bit? Right? Like, like I appreciate the opportunity here, but I, I know I've got, I know what my market value is, or at least what I think my market value is. Does he maybe want to take a couple of phone calls before he accepts that gig? Either way. I think the point is, as I said when you let go of Matt Rule, right? It gave Matt Rule the opportunity to get his name out there in college football. By the way, where did I tell you Matt Rule was gonna land? The University of Nebraska. Where has Matt Rule been for the past week and a half flirting with people? The University of Nebraska. It gave him the out. It gave the University of Nebraska the opportunity to grab a guy that I think would be a highly coveted coaching prospect during a season. It also gave David Tepper the opportunity to to have some, maybe all, of Matt Rule's contract written off by future earnings by Nebraska or whoever else, and it allowed you to get a leg up on the next head coaching search, well, I got to tell you, you may have stumbled into the guy. And the fact that there are other NFL franchises making a push to look more closely at Steve Wilkes says that's exactly what happened. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, the Views from Mench Podcast rolls on. It is Rob Brown. It is Lonzo Reitzel. We are glad to have you listening. And if this is your first time checking out the Views from Mench Podcast, do us a favor. Wherever you got it from, whether it was iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or free on the Odyssey app. Go make sure you are subscribed and go make sure you hit the little notification icon so that you are notified every single time a new episode drops, including this one, our preview pod, which will drop for you on Friday. And then, of course, three next week, our wrap-up pods on Monday, our midweek pods on Wednesday, where we break down transactions and injuries and moves and news and notes, and our preview pods on uh, Friday. A uh, couple of other things real quick, some little news and notes, and we'll start with this one. Uh, Derek King, former Miami slash Houston turned uh, minor league QB, has been signed to Carolina's practice squad, which I find uh, interesting. I, I, I can see that Derek King was a guy who, you know, at Miami, never really hit the mark, went to Houston, was kind of, I mean, he was always a pretty okay quarterback, not great not terrible. He was just a pretty okay quarterback, Uh, but he does have a a set of legs on him that kind of makes him dangerous. He very much reminds me uh, of a less talented throwing the ball Baker Mayfield. I think that's fair to say. So uh, I don't hate the signing as a practice squad guy. I I frankly don't think De'Ara King is ever going to see an active roster in the NFL, but he's absolutely a nice little resource to have. To hang on to on the bench, he's a guy that can simulate a Lamar Jackson, can simulate a Kyler Murray, uh, can get can get can give some reps for the offense if Baker takes the day off, etc. It's not a bad little addition to the practice squad. Like I said, I don't think you're ever going to see him on an active roster, Lonzo. But you know, the guy brings a, a an interesting, a unique skill set, and I'll be I'll be interested to see what he does as a practice squad player.
1: It's very weird. Uh, that you would do this when you had Eason who actually played in a game and you could have put him back on the practice squad that you get rid of him and then bring in another quarterback. It makes you wonder, and it's what we can do here on this podcast. We could speculate uh, that maybe the injury, the PJs a little more than, than what they're hinting at. Um, well, I,
0: I think that's part of it. So the other part of it, and I apologize for interrupting. I just want to throw that out there and then I'll I'll shut the hell up so you can talk. Uh, The other aspect is remember who we are playing this week and remember who the quarterback is of the team we're playing. It's Lamar. Derek King is a guy who can simulate Lamar. He's obviously not anywhere near uh, as good as Lamar. No one is, but he's a simulate quarterback that can come in for even if it's just for a week and just run the Lamar scout team offense a little bit. I think that's largely, uh, largely, pardon me, what this is about. But it also does give you a little bit of quarterback depth because now you have three quarterbacks on the roster, all of whom who have dealt with a high ankle sprain or worse leg injury within the past 12 months. You lose another one of those cats. You Now you got a guy on the depth chart that you can bring up who, uh, again, remember Derek King when he showed up in Miami, A lot of folks thought Derek King was going to be the best quarterback in the ACC. That obviously never panned out, but there's still a lot of apologists who will tell you it is because the Miami hurricanes are a small dumpster fire that has been thrown inside of a larger dumpster fire and Miami held Derek King back. He went to Houston and he had a much better career or year uh, with the Cougs. He gives you the ability to kind of simulate Lamar and, while you can never fully prepare for Lamar, you'd at least like to get the looks down, and De'Aaron King's going to be the best opportunity to do that.
1: So you're bringing him in for one opponent, and then you're going to drop him from the practice squad? Very strong I just, possibility. I, I got to admit, I don't know how the practice squad works entirely. I don't, didn't know that you could just bring someone in and drop them and bring. I, I think you keep Eason out because or in the fold because he has ankles of steel. He's the only guy who's made it through however many weeks without a high ankle sprain. You don't want to get rid of that, but they did. So you're bringing in another mobile guy to simulate uh, how, how long does he make it before one or both ankles are sprained at the top.
0: I I, I like that I can put Zoe out there uh, as a scout to get ready for next year's draft. And one of the things at the top of Lonzo's scouting report will be ankles of steel.
1: Hey, you gotta have them. You gotta have them if you're playing on turf. That's
0: uh, that's not incorrect. That's not incorrect. No, I listen. Uh, you know, practice squad guys for the most part uh, can pretty much come and go as you need them. Um, like I said, I think De'Aaron King uh, is 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 interesting in that he had a pretty good year at Houston, and okay but above average year at Houston. Uh, Never really panned out at the University of Miami. I blame Miami for that more than Derek King. Uh, Look at him this year. It's the same situation. Miami's supposed to have turned a corner this year. Uh, They are uh, uh, very, very bad. So I don't hold it against Derek King. But there's also never been anything that jumps off the paper that leads me to believe that, you know, we're looking QB future here. I, I think it's a good move. To get ready for Baltimore, right? Because here's the reality and kind of taking that to the next step. uh, As much as I was comfortable a week and a half ago saying that we have entered tank mode, as much as I was comfortable a week and a half ago saying, uh, you can go ahead and write off this season. This is just getting prepped for next year. uh, I am now just as comfortable saying this team wants to win a football game or six, right? This team wants to go win a football game now and, the best way to do that is to give yourself the best preparation possible for Sunday. And that's all this is. This is a, a prep move for Baltimore. I think it's a solid strategy uh, from Steve Wilkes and Scott Fitter. I got no problem with it. Like I said, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to see the Eric King hit the football field, but I think it's a solid practice strategy. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking practice strategies on the views from industry podcast. You ain't getting it nowhere else. People.
1: If you do see Derek King on the field, it's probably not a good sign. It's probably things have gone
0: terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. All right. Speaking of quarterback, let's spend just a minute on this because obviously our Friday pod is going to go much more in depth on this topic as we get ourselves prepared for a roadie up to Baltimore to take on the Edgar Allen pose Uh, what does Lonzo against a very good defense a defense that has been flying around the football field a defense that may very well now have the best front seven defensively in the entire National Football League with the addition of Roquan Smith what does a successful weekend for Baker Mayfield look like
1: well, I mean, we could say the obvious of of the offense being, you know, probably 60-40 run, but I don't think that's going to happen in this game. I think he's going to have to um, throw the ball, and he's going to have to throw the ball accurately, and he's going to have to throw the ball downfield because now uh, we, we know that, that Carolina has a reputation of being a running team because that's what they are. So of course they're going to crowd the box. There's going to be uh, some receivers open that the first few weeks of the season Baker Mayfield was an, unable to hit. But the last time he was on the field, he was very accurate. He looked like the Baker of old. I, I the thing is that that Baltimore defense they're used to uh, practicing against a running quarterback and against the running game. That's injured all the time. It's still a running game. So they're going to be ready for the run. I don't think they're going to be ready for the pass. I think Baltimore may be susceptible to the pass. And Baker's probably your best shot. I think that's what he's going to do. Still got to run the ball. Still got to run you know. the ball.
0: Listen, I uh, here, here's the thing about having a run team mentality, which we do so that we're all very, very clear. Uh, you have to run the ball. Even when the defense knows they're gonna run the ball. That's what a running mentality is. If they stick nine in the box to stop the run, you still gotta run the ball to keep those nine in the box uh attacking, right? But uh a successful weekend for me out of Baker, you know, like I said, that there's there's a part of me, and is the part of me that can still accept losing games because every L is closer to one of the top four draft positions where I think you got to be to grab a quarterback. Uh, there's also a part of me that has that, that, that remains mildly optimistic that maybe we don't need to go find a quarterback. Maybe Baker can be that quarterback, right? We have talked many, many times about Baker showing up in C town was successful because he had a really good wide receiver core and a very good offensive line. Well, uh, Here's a slight update about the Carolina Panthers for those of you that are maybe checking in for the first time. We got a pretty good offensive line that's been built there in the Queen City and the wide receiver core has developed quite a bit since the departure of Matt Rule. He's got the tools that he had at Cleveland. Offensive line, probably not quite as good. Wide receiver core, not probably quite as good as Cleveland at its best, but still very good and eight draft picks. Next year, meaning there's the possibility to hit on another one or two in both of those units. Uh, look, I want to see Steve Wooks call the offense the same way that he called it for P.J. Walker. I want 30 to 35 runs, maybe more. The majority of those going to Deontay Foreman with Chuba Hubbard back. A solid chunk of those, maybe a maybe, a, I don't know, a, a fifth, a fourth of those going to Chuba Hubbard. I would like to see Blackshear come in and get some XP as well. But I'm looking for like 17 to 22 throws for Baker Mayfield until he shows me he's going to put the ball on target, until he shows me he's not going to panic behind the line of scrimmage if the defense of the Baltimore Ravens starts getting to him. I, I, I want to set up Baker Mayfield Lonzo to play a simple game to connect with open wide receivers, to make the right read, not to panic. Show me you can do the basics. Show me you can do the basics so that we know we can keep the running identity, but still scare some teams if they get over aggressive with the run and get you outside to make a play. A successful weekend to me is 17 to 22 passes, complete 13 to 15 of them. Go get me a buck 50, a buck 70, and maybe a touch through the air. But be Baker Mayfield without panicking and making us change the identity of this team. And if you can do that against Baltimore, you can do that against probably any defense in the National Football League. And now all of a sudden, the next week, maybe instead of throwing it 17 to 22, we throw it 20 to 25. And if you're still busting it up there, maybe 2025 comes to 2227 with a healthy dose of run because we know we can still extend the sticks when we've got the opportunity. Uh, I just want to see Lonzo. I just want to see Baker show me that it was Matt Rule and it wasn't Baker Mayfield. He can make the accurate throws, the short throws. He can read progressions effectively he can get the ball to the right guy at the right time and we don't need to dramatically change the offense for baker he does that against baltimore here's a chance baker mayfield starts week one in charlotte next week or next year All right.
1: i've always been curious about the the start for the panthers for baker how much of the problems were because he was checking out of plays how much was were running plays uh called And then we found out that, you know, one of the first things that Steve Wilkes said uh, in one of his first press conferences was what we wanted to hear, we're going to run the ball. So that made me think, okay, maybe it wasn't Baker checking out so much. It was uh, McAdoo and Matt Rule not calling it like a running team. Now we're going to find out for sure for an entire game, the first entire game that that I believe Baker's going to play, um, how the shadow of Matt Rule underneath Steve Wilkes, and we'll see how much he checks down, uh, che- or not checks down, but checks out of running plays. How much confidence he has in that offensive line that has grown so much since week one. If he sticks to the run, like what you're saying, I still think he needs to throw it more because I think the defense is going to dictate that. But you're right, without keeping them uh, thinking it's going to be a run, then they're going to creep back so you got how many times he actually going to hand the ball off the other thing that he had when he was in Cleveland that you didn't mention was he had a really good running game so he knows how to operate with a good running game this running game not as good as what he had in Cleveland but they're not bad so if he actually hands the ball off instead of going you know what I think I'd rather pass the ball they got a shot at this
0: The Views from Mint Street podcast rolls on, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you. But again, do us a favor. Share this around with your friends, with your family that are Panthers fans so we can continue to grow the Views from Mint Street community. Uh, Lonzo and I were having a discussion before we started this pod, and I think we wanted to uh, get into a little bit. How about, ladies and gentlemen, a little state of the NFC South conversation, just the conference conversation uh, overall. And and, and I think we can start Lonzo. And I listen, I'm, I'm happy. The direction we're pointed in, right? I'm happy. The direction we're looking at, we're on a one game win streak, right? It feels nice. It feels good. The best team in this division, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are five and five, and they just crawled out of being a sub 500 football team to lead the division at the top of the division now i think that means right now it would be fair to say as we have all year lovingly uh, the nfc south not that good all right it's you don't have to like it but the nfc south right now is just not that good and uh, there there there's i think lonzo there's positive and negatives to that, right? Like, I think there's some things that are beneficial to us, are are beneficial to us playing in a bad division. I think the fact that uh, we are at three and seven, a whopping two games out of first place in this division. Uh, I think that you've got the 27th easiest schedule in the National Football League remaining ahead of us. I mean, after we play Baltimore, We got a lot of a who's who of who are that's around the list of the national football league ahead of us. I'm not saying we're divisional champs. I'm saying if we were going to be in any division and have this bad of a start to the year, the NFC South is the one to do it in. But to me, the optimism about being in the NFC South is not because they're bad this year, Lonzo. It's that they're bad. And when you look at new Orleans, when you look at Atlanta, Atlanta, And honestly, Tampa too, I don't see a lot of reason for optimism in the future for those three teams, right? When Tom Brady leaves, and by the way, right before we went on the air, I got an update uh, from one of the news networks that was talking about the potential highest rated free agents. There's rumors circulating around Tampa right now that Tom Brady might be made a free agent at the end of the year. They may be done with Tom Brady at the end of the year. That's not to say, oh, yeah, let's get him in Carolina. It's more importantly that he'll be out of Tampa. And when he leaves Tampa, a lot of guys, Godwin, Evans, etc may very well follow him out of Tampa, not follow him to a new team, but just to get out of Tampa Bay. And it'll be a rebuild in Tampa. New Orleans is in a spot right now because Dennis Allen's not a good head coach that's been proven that team is just absolutely floundering right now. And because the saints have kicked the can on so many big contracts down the road, the saints I think are about to have their salary cap situation catch up with them. I think the saints are going to have to offload talent this off season to have the finances catch up for a year or two. And then uh, Atlanta is, you know Atlanta is, um, Atlanta is Atlanta, so I'm not super worried. Uh, Zo, I, I don't think I'm being unbiased. I think there's a really good argument and a really good reason to believe that being in the NFC South while it's good for us this year and that, okay, we're still in this divisional race technically speaking, it's better that we're in the NFC South for next year because I've got really good reason to believe the other three teams next year are all in trouble. I genuinely think we are the best structured team in this division for 2023.
1: Oh, I completely agree. And I don't know what, you know, the the bad vibes and everything are because the Panthers were picked to be in last place and the Panthers are not in last place. So they've already exceeded expectations for the season by all the experts. We're not in last place. So there's that and not going to be last place at the end of the season. May even have a shot to win the thing who knows, Uh, but you're right. Tom is probably gone. And whether he's gone to the booth or gone to his lonely home or um, gone to another team, he's gone. And who does Tampa Bay have that quarterback? I don't know. Who's the backup. I don't know. And, uh, you're right. All those guys who came there because they thought they'd win a championship with Tom Brady, they're going to want to go somewhere else to have a shot at a championship. And Atlanta, is Mariota the guy? I don't know. Is uh, New Orleans? Who's the quarterback there? I don't know. And you could say the same thing about Carolina. You could say, who's the quarterback there? Uh, if Baker steps up and solidifies what uh, what we think he could be, he could be that guy, or they're going to get a, a pretty uh, good draft pick. So, yeah, the South is wide open. Technically, the South is almost wide open now because because the Bucks are barely winning. It's still a win, but they're barely winning. That could go either way in the couple games that they have won, and their schedule isn't as easy as the Panthers. So we'll see what happens by the end of the season. But you're right. The bad part is – or the good part is that the Panthers got a good shot of – Vaulting the number one in the future for the South. The bad part is the South's probably going to be bad for a while.
0: Uh, I would say one thing, and I, you know, I, I, I think you you hit there a second ago. Like who is the quarterback next year for New Orleans? And that's fair. But we can say one thing that New Orleans can't. We got a first round draft pick, uh, and while it may be, if things keep going the way they're going, middle of the pack right? Maybe top 25th bracket. uh, Yeah,
1: but you got some, you got some room to negotiate with all those draft picks to move up a little bit. If you had to,
0: that's right. We got eight picks, including uh, a first round draft pick that we can move up with seven more picks after that. If we want to, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when you look at building the team of the future, we are closer right now. Uh, If Tom Brady is indeed done, whether he retires or Tampa decides, you know what we, we, We sold our soul to get our Super Bowl. We got our Super Bowl. Now we're out, Uh, which happens. I mean, it's listen, it's it's a risk. The Lakers did it with Anthony Davis, right? They got their one. Now things have hit the bricks. Doesn't matter. They got a rank, son. If Tom Brady moves on via retirement or Tampa just cuts him, uh, that team is going to hit the brakes hard. They're going to have to go back to square one. Uh, The New Orleans Saints, like I said, I think financially speaking, they already are going to have to go back. To square one, you can ask who the quarterback is. I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, Dennis Allen told Jameis Winston that he would not lose his starting role due to injury. Then Jameis Winston came back and is not starting. They're going with Andy Dalton again this week. Keep doing what you're doing, New Orleans. We genuinely appreciate it when you don't have a first-round pick to tank for next year. Um, You know, I, I think we're better set up than them. And like I said, I, I will believe that the Atlanta Falcons have turned a corner Uh, when I've seen them turn a corner and make some progress. They're just still Atlanta, although I do like the direction they're pointed in. I don't think they are as well built today as we are. And the way we're built right now is with a very good foundation. How many times have we talked core players over the past few weeks, right? The Brian Burns, the JC Horns, uh, the, the Ikea was of the world. We have built a very, very solid young foundation. Atlanta's still working on theirs, right? So I think you find the right head coach quarterback combination, which maybe Wilkes is the guy, maybe he's not. I'll tell you the locker room loves him right now. If you missed that, go back to the beginning of the pod and listen to that segment. Uh, You find the right quarterback to tandem with that guy. I I can say with full sincerity and no hesitation that – The Carolina Panthers are better suited today for the 2023 season. As long as Tom Brady doesn't come back, then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe if he does, they're five and five with him right now. But if he leaves, definitely in better shape for next season than the Bucs. Definitely in better shape next season than the Saints. And we're not Atlanta. So I got to tell you, it's as optimistic as we are for the direction the team is pointing in right this very second, Lonzo. I actually think I'm justifiably more excited about the direction the team is pointed in for next season based on where the NFC South is today.
1: And at the same time, and I get all that, at the same time, season ain't over. Still got, still got quite a few games left. And who knows where this team ends up by the end of the season. And you can look at it one way, that this is building towards next year nothing helps build towards next year better than having victories under your belt at the end of the season to progressively start to get better and better and better. Hopefully Cincinnati is just a setback as far as uh, we saw that the defense came out and played so much better the next game. uh, And that was really a a, a defensive problem against Cincinnati. Um, But if they steadily progress each game, each week, think of what can be there by next year and all the opportunities for the extra pieces that you can pick up in the draft.
0: I uh I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I'm 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 I think we're pointed in a really good direction and I know that this is kind of this is not what we traditionally do on a Wednesday. We had a little extra time to to think with the la- with the last Thursday game. So we spent a little time kind of analyzing where we are and where we're going uh and 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 listen, the more I think about it the more I look at the situations that these other teams are in, the more I'm kind of thinking to myself, I don't want to be anybody else in the NFC South. I think we have done an excellent job laying the foundation. And while it's nice to kind of start to see the, the the frame going up now, as Lonzo pointed out wins for this young core now mean confidence and experience in the W column for this young core next season while I'm excited to see some of the frames start to go up, uh, I think you're seeing the house of 2023 start to get shaped. Now we just got to find out who's going to be the foreman on the job when we get there. And that is the end of my construction analogy.
1: It was there awesome, it. though. I was, I was glad to be there for that. That was it was cool.
0: I feel good about it. I feel I feel like we made some progress here today, you know? Lonzo, any final words for the people?
1: Hey, man, I got nothing uh, other than uh, keep pounding and looking forward to breaking down the the Baltimore game coming up in the next pod.
0: Friday afternoon. If you haven't done it already, make sure you are subscribed to the Views from Men's Street podcast. And whether it is on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Apple iTunes, or free on the Odyssey app, there's going to be a little heart or a little bell or some kind of little icon. Click that bad boy. Make sure you get notified because we will drop our preview pod on Friday afternoon. It will be a complete game preview of Carolina at Baltimore, which I genuinely think is the most difficult game we have remaining on the schedule. This is it. This is the last true game against a contender we have left on the schedule, in my opinion, and it will be a genuine test of character. I... I'm quite excited about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you Friday. Thank you for listening. That's Lonzo Reitzel. I'm Rob Brown. And we will see you back here on Friday. Keep pounding, baby!